I just want to share a few thoughts on the cross and on what it means. Um, we've had some amazing readings and I'll refer to those, but one of my favorite verses about the cross can be found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse two. And it says this, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now this verse um, talks about what Jesus endured, the cross, and it also talks about what kept him going. It says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Because of this joy, in order to attain this joy, he uh, endured the cross. And if you're gonna ask me to endure something, if I'm gonna be asked to step up and make some kind of sacrifice and you promise me a prize, that will help a lot. But it will only help if the prize, if the reward, if the joy that you set before me, it will only help if it's proportionate to the sacrifice that you're asking me to make. And the bigger the sacrifice, the bigger the prize has to be. So if you come to me and ask me to run a marathon in a desert and then you sell me that the prize is going to be 50 pence and I start running that marathon, then what's going to happen is after about 20 minutes, I'm going to think there is no way I'm going to keep going. 50 pence, it's not worth it and I will quit. But if you come to me and you say, um, hey, Andy, run a marathon and then you'll be given a prize and the prize will be the joy set before you will be 50 million pounds, then I'm in. And even if I make it to mile 22 and I've still got four miles to go and I hit the wall and I'm thinking I've never been in this much physical pain, I've never been in this much mental torment. But, but what will happen when I hit the wall is I'll think, but there's 50 million pounds. I've just got to keep going another four miles. I can do that. I can make it. Any of us would be in that situation if there was a prize of 50 million pounds. Mike would go through it on his crutches in total agony because it's worth it, isn't it? Imagine what you could do with 50 million. And, um, and so the point I'm making is that the prize has got to be worth the sacrifice if it's gonna motivate you and if it's gonna keep you going. Now, Jesus is not run, running an imaginary marathon in a desert. Uh, his sacrifice was infinitely greater and it was real. And we've just had the account of it read to us of what happened to him on that hill outside of Jerusalem, of what he had to endure. And on today of all days, it's worth us asking ourselves and just taking a minute to contemplate what was it that he endured there on the cross. And there's lots of layers to it. Um, I suppose the most obvious one is he endured the, the pain of being crucified. And because today we have crosses in our church buildings and uh, we have tattoos, some of us have crosses, or we wear jewelry that has crosses on, in many ways I think we have become desensitized to what the cross is. It's almost like we've put an Instagram filter on it. Um, we've lost the reality of the fact that it is an implement of execution. It's a means of torture and of death. In the same way that if someone was to wear an electric chair on a necklace, a piece of jewelry, we would be shocked by that because, because perhaps in our modern culture that would speak more of death. Um, the cross is that. It's a horrendous, torturous um, way of killing somebody. And we just had the account read to us from Mark of, of what happens to Jesus and what he has to endure as, they, as he's put to death in this way. Not only is he 
is he whipped. Not only is he beaten and his back torn to shreds, but then he has to endure having nails put through his hands and through his feet. And when they, they put the cross up, he's hanging from the cross. And the way that you ultimately died when you were being crucified was through suffocation. You were hanging in such a way that it was, it was impossible to breathe. Without, the only way you could breathe is if you pushed up. And the only way to push up, if you're hanging on a cross, if you're nailed to it, is by pushing up and putting pressure on the, the nail that's holding your feet to the wood. Um, and so that would have been agony, Jesus pushing up on that nail. And you can imagine if his back has been ripped uh, into ribbons, the, the pain of just the scraping of his back against the rough wood of the cross. And what would happen is you would hang there for hours and people would push themselves up until their strength was spent and they could do it no longer. And then they would suffocate. And Jesus hung there for hours and it was hours not just of pain, but also hours and hours of shame. Because whilst he's hanging there, he's naked, pinned to the cross. Whilst he's hanging there, crowds of people, we just heard the account, are insulting him. They're hurling insults at him. They're mocking him. Uh, he's not just in pain, he's utterly shamed. He's completely humiliated. Um, and then eventually we, we hear that cry, um, he breathed his last. And one of the things that I, I just think is, is so incredible when we read the, the, the account of God and the way that he loves us in the Bible is, um, I don't know if you remember in Genesis when he forms us from the dust of the earth and then he gives life to us. And the way that the account is, is he puts, it's like he puts his face close to ours and we're told that he breathes, almost the kiss of life. He breathes his breath into us, the breath of life. And then all these years later, he's become one of us, Jesus, the Lord of life. And what do we do to him? We suffocate him. We choke the breath out of him. He only ever responds in grace because when he is raised from the dead, as we'll see uh, on Resurrection Sunday, what he does to his disciples is he comes to them and he breathes on them again. He, he responds to what we do to him with nothing but the breath of life again. But in this moment, he's enduring crucifixion. And it's all the more poignant when we consider the fact that it's one thing to endure pain when you've got no choice, when this is just something that happens to you and you just have to plow through it. But it's another thing to endure pain when you can stop it. And at any moment, Jesus could have clicked his fingers and this would have come to an end. This is a whole nother level of sacrifice. So he endures crucifixion. But what's also happening is he is in that moment, he's taking upon himself all of our selfishness all of our sin. And there are many consequences to our sin, but ultimately the consequence of our sin is that our relationship with God is broken. It's broken relationship. We are cut off because of our sin from God who is the source of our life, who is the source of everything good, who is the source of our wholeness and our security and our freedom. We are cut off from him. The relationship is broken. And Jesus, um, God the Son, has, has never, um, up until this moment in history, been separated from God the Father. God the Son and God the Father have loved each other uh, without beginning. 
and they've never been separated. And what's happening in this moment on the cross is in taking upon himself our sin, Jesus is taking upon himself that separation from his father, which is why he cries out in that moment, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For the first time in forever, God the Father and God the Son are separated. And in many ways, there is no pain greater than a relationship that's been broken, than a love that's been lost. And the greater the love, the greater the pain in losing that relationship, right? And and we all know, I suspect, people, and probably many of us are people, who have had broken relationships. You know, I don't know if you can think of a friend who uh, has just lost a parent or uh, lost a partner in some way. That relationship has broken down and the pain of that. Well, even the most amazing relationship that we've ever come across, um, even the ones that have gone on forever, the love in that relationship is like a raindrop compared to the Pacific Ocean when we consider the relationship of love that exists between the Father and the Son. And so in that moment, Father and Son are enduring the agony of separation. So... That's what Jesus endures. Now, remember the whole thing about the marathon. Um, To keep you going, the prize has got to be worth it. And the greater the sacrifice, the greater the pain that we go through, the better the prize has to be. We're told, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And if this is what he has to endure, if this is how deep Uh, and dark and desolate the pit is that Jesus has to descend into, then the prize has surely got to be something utterly spectacular. What is the joy that is set before him? What is it that keeps him going? For ages, I thought it meant heaven. And so I read this verse as, for the joy set before him, he endures the cross and then he sits at the right hand of the Father. And that means he goes through the cross and it's awful, but then he gets to be in heaven. He gets to relax. He gets to be with the Father forever. And and that's how I understood it when it was talking about joy. But I've realized actually that doesn't make sense because God the Son was already in heaven before he came to earth. He already enjoyed perfect relationship with the Father and so the cross doesn't gain him that. He already had that. He gave that up. And there's definitely a sense from reading uh, the, the Gospels that for Jesus it was a joy just to do the will of his Father and to bring glory to his Father. He, he talks about how that is his food and his drink but there's something else going on as well. Jesus gains something by going through the cross. What is it he gains? What is it that he has that he didn't have before? What is the joy? It's you. It's me. We, and I know it's so hard to believe this, we are the joy that is set before him. We are his prize. We are, if you will, his treasure and that which keeps him going through all the sacrifice that he makes on Good Friday. Beth and I, as you probably know, have four boys, and um, that means I have sat next to Beth through four labours. And um, my job description 
um, at moments like that is a fairly restricted one. It's basically try not to get on her nerves too much. Um, try to eat my Pringles quietly during hour number five of labour. Text my mother-in-law updates on how the labour is going. And then very occasionally I'm given something practical to do, which is to encourage Beth to, you know, when she's feeling just, she's got to the point where she is utterly exhausted to, to, to sort of champion her and say, come on, Beth, you can do this. And um, I have to pick my moment because if I pick the wrong one, she just tells me to be quiet. Um, but uh, there have been one or two moments where, where I've realised she's just flagging and she needs some encouragement. So at a moment like that, I've stepped up and what I've said to her is, Beth, you can do it. Hang in there. Keep going. Push through. Because in just a little while, you're going to hold our boy. In just a little while, we'll be saying hello to him. Uh, and what happens, of course, is eventually he's born. And it's this roller coaster from, from total agony to utter ecstasy as, as the boy, the, our, our son, is placed on Beth for the first time. And it's as if in that moment when she's saying the very first hello, when she's giving him the very first cuddle of his life, it's like all the pain that has gone before is swallowed up in the joy of that moment of holding him in her arms. I think what this verse means is it's as if the father and the son, uh, they looked at the cross and they looked at each other and they said, for the joy set before us, for the prize, we're going to go through this. It's going to be totally horrific, but we're going to go through this because in just a little while, we'll be holding them in our arms. And they mean us. The end of the marathon has got to be a good prize. The end of the cross it's got to be something utterly spectacular. And in God's eyes, it is. It's you. And I know if you're anything like me, then your response to that may well be, that just cannot be true. I am such a mess. And he must not know me. But he does know us. And he sees that we're a mess. That's why he went through the cross to cleanse us, to clean us up. And he decided that we were worth it. And when we miss that, we miss the heart of the good news of Jesus, that he considers us a treasure worth this. This is how much he loves us. And that's why it's called Good Friday.